This is a shear on Likutei Sichres Chelek Tesvav, the fifteenth book, the portion of Aichi, the fourth Sichah Aichi Dalit. Buckle up, get ready for a beautiful ride. The words in the pasuk that says Binyamin is Binyamin is a wolf, is like a wolf that devours. So the Targum Onkelus translates Binyamin Ba'are Tishrei Shchinta. Binyamin in his land, the Shchina, Hashem's holy presence will rest. And in his inheritance, the Mikdash will be built. The Targum Yenisam Ben Uziel says about this, so there's Targum Unculus, which translates to Aramaic, Targum Yenisam Ben Uziel, which is also often known as Targum Yerushalmi. Targum Yenisam Ben Uziel says, Binyamin Shevet Takif. Binyamin is a strong um, uh, Shevet tribe. Kediva Tarfe, like a wolf, he devours. Be'are Tishrei Shchinas More Alma, in his land will reside the Shchina Hashem's, who's the master of the universe's presence. Vachsante, and in his inheritance, he has been a base Mukdesha. We built the house of holiness, the house of the Mikdash. So the difference is in the Tagamongla, it says he's been a Mikdesha without the word base. In the Targum Yenis of Benazil, it speaks about the base Mikdash, the house of the Mikdash. Bashkafari Shaina. At first glance, it seems that both are saying the same thing, the same concept. We're used to seeing things just, you know, skim through things. It pretty much looks the same. The Rogit Shav, the Rogan of Rogit Shav, Yosef Rosen, he explains there's this big difference here between the two. The Targum Uncle says in his inheritance, he's been a Migdisha. The Mikdash we built. What does that mean? It means Mokim Mekudish Ledamim. It means a place that's sanctified for placing the bloods. And that follows like the Shita, the opinion of Levi in the Gemara, that the opinion of Levi is that the only part of the Mesa Mikdash that was in Chelek Vinyamin is that the bottom part of Mizbeach, the Yesoid, the founding layer of the Mizbeach, where there is where you put the bloods. That portion is in the portion of Binyamin. Because Binyamin is called the one that devours. So that's where the blood gets poured. However, in the part of the foundation, which is in the portion of Yehuda, blood is in place there. And that's Tagamunklus. So it's just talking about the blood being placed on a portion of the Mizbeach. That belongs to Binyamin. It was like a wolf who devours. However, the Targum Yenisim and Uziel that translates Bachsante Yisben Ebeis Mukdashah that in his inheritance, in the inheritance of, of Binyamin, is built the Beis Amikdash. That means the whole Beis Amikdash, which is in the portion of the one who's a devourer, a teiref, like it says about Binyamin, in the portion of Binyamin. We have to understand what is the content. Okay, the Rambam pointed out that there is a machlekes. What is the teichin? What is the content and the meaning of this argument? And what is it based? And in the end, the Rebbe is going to take us through a long journey and explain that it's based on a different of approach between Unculus, who's talking Talmud Bavli, and Yenison Menizil, who's talking Yerushalmi. The difference in the Babylonian approach and the, and the, and the Yerushalayim approach. Especially, both of them do say the same concept, that Ba'are Tishrei Shrinta. They both preface and say that in his land, the Shechina will rest. Why is one saying that the Shechina rests, but it's only a portion of the Mizbeach? The other one saying it's all based on Mikdash. How do they say the same thing? We come to different practical results on the ground. Base. We'll understand this by first understanding what is the general meaning by the fact, what is intended here when Yaakov gives the names of the Shvatim, compares the Shvatim to 
beasts, chayas. He says Yehuda is like a lion. Don is like a, a nochash, like a snake. Naftali is like an, I think the proper uh, translation, ayola, is um, an antelope, uh, I think it's translated as an antelope, perhaps. A bit of a difference between that and a deer, a slight difference. Until, um, don't quote me on that, go look it up yourself. Till we come to the um, the seum, till he says the last one, which is Minyamin, he says Minyamin is like a wolf. Why? What is being added by telling us that these things, you see, what the, what the Torah is telling us is that Naphtali has certain character traits that are, that are deer-like. Or Minyamin has certain character traits that are wolf-like. So why are we saying Binyamin is like a wolf? In other words, identifying those characters which are in him as a human and saying they're actually animalistic traits in a sense. In other words, okay, he's strong like a lion. He's strong. Instead of saying he's strong like a strong guy, saying strong like a lion. In other words, this, 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 this um, strength, this um, nature that he has is the nature of a particular beast. So it's not that he's a strong guy, but his strength is like the strength of, of a beast. Why identify it that way? Also, we have to understand, even though every one of the Shvatim is being allocated here a certain, saying similar to a certain aspect of certain animals, there's also the general concept where we say, really, they're all called beasts and animals because they all have these certain qualities. For example, the strength, the Ha'orah, the quotes, uh, in Rashi and our Parsha speaks about that Hashem, that Yaakov really incorporated everybody together and said they'll all be strong like lions. It's not just, he's not really excluding anybody from the strength he, you know, he says that Yehuda excels in like a lion. Also, we know that the Bnei Yisrael um, gave birth in Mitzrayim without the help of midwives even. We said they're compared to beasts. Beasts don't need midwives. They, they don't go into birthing hospitals. They, they give birth out there in the field. So we see that there's something about, about the animals, about beasts, Chayas that 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 somehow is has a meaning to us, and we and we're identified. Or Yaakov Avinu, at least at this stage, identifies them with these character traits. So we're going to get back to that. We're only going to answer this these questions really all the way at the end. I think it's going to become clear why. What, what's the benefit of talking about character traits as being animalistic or or, or like the beasts? Well, now we're going to take a bit of a um, scenic route. Gimel. We're going to go to the end of Kedushin. About the various character traits of the Chayas, of the animals. Behemoths and Chayas translate differently. Behemoths are more domesticated animals. Uh, sheep, bulls, cows, goats. Chayas are more the beasts. They're, uh, you know, the more the wild ones, less domesticated ones. Deers and uh, wolves. And lion and so on. So the Gemara says the end of Kiddush like this. Tanya was taught. Rabbi Shimon Menelaza says, In my days I've never seen a deer who dries out figs for a living. The Ari Sabal or a lion who's a porter, a schlepper, schleps packages for a living. Or a fox that's a shopkeeper for a living. I've never seen anybody take up any of those careers. The Haim is Parnasim And they have sustenance without any pain, without any aggravation. 
careerless. Without aggravation, they have parnasa. Hashem gives them parnasa. They were only created to serve me. And I'm created to serve Hashem. If even those who were only created to serve me, they get their parnasa, they get their sustenance without aggravation. I was created in order to serve Hashem, isn't it? For sure. How much more so? I should get my parnasa without any anxiety. So why do I have to be anxious about my parnasa? Why does it come with difficulty sometimes? But I, made, I did bad deeds. And in that way I cut off, I, I, I stymied, I short-chained, so to speak. You know, I, 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 I put an obstruction to my parnasa, to my sustenance. As the Pesach says, the Navi says, you, through your sins you have turned away from Hashem. So it's simple logic. The animals, never saw an animal with a career and they have panasa. Why do we have to be anxious about our panasa? The Farshim explained that the difference, why, why did he choose these different occupations? I never saw a deer who dried figs. You know, I never saw a porter, I never saw a shopkeeper. Why, what, what, is, what does it mean about those occupations? She so says that fits with the particular um, nature of those particular animals. For example, a, a deer has a certain attribute, it sleeps with one eye open. Oh, that's perfect for somebody who's drying figs, it takes a long time. They're drying in the field, you gotta keep an eye on them, literally, you gotta keep an eye on them, and he sleeps with one eye open. No problem, perfect job for him. The, 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 the Ari, the lion is strong, oh, you should be the guy schlepping the packages. The shul, the fox, shrewd, smart, I shouldn't say shrewd, I should say smart. Shrewd has some negative connotation, but even if it's just smart, that's good to be a shopkeeper. You have to buy and sell, you have to know, you know what's good for this one and what's uh, not good for the other. I'm saying, you know, what's good to sell and what people will buy and how to make a profit out of it, and at the same time be benefiting the seller, be benefiting the buyer and benefiting the seller. I need some wisdom for that. However, now we have to understand why are only these kinds of jobs mentioned picked from all the animals. I mean, there's other kinds of beasts, there's other kinds of wild animals. Ayala we talk about an antelope. Uh, it, it's very quick. So why doesn't he say, a naftali is called a ayala, so why don't we say that it, uh, I've never seen an antelope being sent as a, uh, as, as, a, as, a, as, a as a courier, as a FedEx. Okay. Um, does point out that, you know, that could fit um, also, a, a deer also has that, and a deer was mentioned about being a dryer of, of figs, but it doesn't matter. But there's, um, we didn't mention the deer here as being a, a, a courier. Why didn't we mention another kind of animal and pick out not what we use for deer because he sleeps with one eye open that he's watching the figs dry, but speak about an antelope that's fast. I've never seen a courier, an antelope, and he, he gets his parnasa. The, um, I, 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 I'm, you know, there's beautiful, <laughs> there's intricate ha'odas here. Rebbe points out, first of all, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, I've never seen animals, domesticated animals, needing to work, because they do. You put them to work. Uh, the bull, the ox, is put to work. Back in those, those days, they were, they were hooked up to, um, to plow, to plows. And that's the king of the animals, so... The Braisa, Rabbi Shemalaz doesn't say, I've never seen an animal that needs to make a panasa by working hard. No, it's not true. Some of them do. Um, 
On the other hand, the Rebbe says in the Oren, the Toisefta does say, I've never seen a behema, an animal, domesticated animal, or a chaya and an oif, a bird, working, needing to work for their parnasa. But the Rebbe just said, we just, I just pointed out that the, that the ox, the king of the beasts, the king of the animals, usually does have to work. So the Rebbe says, but actually, it's not an omnus, that's not their career. People make them work. Because they're domesticated, so what, are you going to let the ox just lie around while you schlep? You're going to make him schlep the, the, the plow. But it's not their own, it's not their career. It's not their, they've gone to college to study that. This is what I want to do when I grow up, to be a schlepper of a plow. And this will also, um, also help us understand, if you want to ask, well, what about people that do use animals to schlep? For example, the Rebbe says in Eora, I'm in Thailand here. Thailand has a lot of elephants. For example, elephants. In Thailand, this was a very well-used um, uh, form of uh, heavy, heavy... Labor was done by elephants. So what do you mean? Does you never seen an animal, a beast, a wild beast working? What about the, the what about the elephants? He says, no, that's because they were domesticated. Um, that's because they were forced by people to do it. Again, it's not that's not a, almost that's not their career. People grabbed them and forced them to do it. That's by the way why people today try and and free the the, the elephants. It's a big movement not to let elephants work. Well, because they don't like working. It's not their nature. It's not like their career. So. What the Mishnah, what the Rebbe says, I've never seen any of them need to work or desire to work. And they have their panosa. That sometimes people schlep them into work. Okay, that's because people have done things either that, you know, that's good for them or not good for them, whatever it is, but that's something imposed upon them. Um, interesting, the Rebbe also says, you know, I could point something out, says the Rebbe, maybe we do see a career like a nature in animals getting panosa by being like a shopkeeper. What's the example that Rebbe uses? Look in our other um, 17. For example, there's a small animal, a small little creatures that eat the creepy crawlies and the flies and the, and the worms that are on an elephant. And through that, there's benefit to both of them. I'm trying to think, why is that like a shopkeeper? I'm thinking, I'm just thinking out loud here because he's eating what's on the elephant He's doing the elephant a favor by getting rid of the bugs from the elephant. And he's benefiting because he's having the, 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 he's getting the, the, the nutrition from the bugs that he's eating. Why is that like a shopkeeper? I'm thinking, shopkeeper, he sells you something, you benefit, but he benefits also. He's selling it to make a profit. He's not selling you something you don't need. He's selling you something you need and want. You're thankful to him because you gave. And he's thankful to you because he made. So you have this give and take also in animals. But, but the Rebbe is saying, first of all, that, and here's an important clarification. Rabbi Shimon doesn't say, we never see any, any beasts work or have a certain umnus, have a career which supports them. By the way, we have the bees. It says the bees work hard for their owners. They, they bring pollen here and there and they produce, uh, the Gemara speaks about bees. The, the, the Medrash speaks about bees being, you know, uh, producing a commodity for their owner. It's not so. Here's Pshat, and the, the, the Rebbe is learning the the, the Brisa here. It's or oh, the Mishnah, which says, "You ever did you ever see a chayav that have an omnos?" Yes, some of them do work, but mostly they don't. There are some that do, but as a whole, you ever seen that the animal kingdom needs to work, and they have parnasa. That's the point that's being made. Back to the back 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 to the pnimasicha, back to the inside of the sicha. So. He chose Rav Shimon Lazar to say, I never saw a deer drawing figs, I never saw a, a lion having to schlep packages, and I never saw 
a fox who's a shopkeeper. The same maimer, the same saying, is in the name of a mayor brought into Yerushalmi. He says, but it's a bit of a change. He says, have you ever seen, doesn't start with a deer that's, a, that, that's, a, that's drying figs. He says, have you ever seen a lion who schleps packages? Or a deer, comes second here, the deer that dries figs. Or a fox that's a shopkeeper. And all of a sudden, a new classification. Or a wolf that sells pots. Now we have to understand. First of all, why does he put the, the porter, the, the lion, before the, the fig dryer, the, the deer? Especially, I would think that the order it should go in the supply chain. Let's talk the supply chain. First, you got to dry the figs. Then you schlep them once they're packaged. You schlep them to where you want to sell them. And then you sell them. So why is the porter, the Yerushalmi, coming before the dryer? You don't have a commodity yet to schlep. It's a big daichik to say because you want to give more honor to the lion and make him, and he's the king of the field. Because other, then you should have put the fox right after the lion. The fox is also one of the leaders of the animal kingdom. He's a, he's a smart guy. He, he can be part of the administration. Right? Also, when you want to put together um, the Ari, the Ari is closer to the fox than the Tzvi. So if you're going from the Ari, it goes, because, why? Because they both, they both eat meat. They're both carnivorous. So go, you should, if the Rishalmi is starting with a king, lion, you should go straight to the fox and only then to the deer. If he's, if, in other words, if he's not talking about the order of the supply chain, he's just talking about the prestige. So prestige, fox should come after lion. And also in terms of grouping them, fox and lion are closer together than fox and deer. Or than lion and deer. Another thing we want to understand, what is is putting in about a wolf selling pots? How does that come in? Why doesn't the Bavli talk about that? Gimel, the Chayra, he's selling pots. That's, How's the addition to that about the fox being a shopkeeper? Selling pots seems to be something a shopkeeper does. You know, the shopkeeper sells all kinds of things. We're talking about a wolf who sells only pots. What's, what's that adding? Also, what's a wolf got to do with selling pots? So some of Farshim says that Eben Square Bracket says because selling pots is simple. You don't need to be a big, uh, big guy. You know, a big, a big mumcha to sell a big uh, expert to sell pots. So that's why you don't have to be a fox. That even a, a, a wolf can do. But from the continuation of what the Mishnah there is, the Rishami there is saying, it seems to be that it's attributed to a fox, not because a fox is a, is a, is a bottling, can't do anything else but do something similar like sell, fox, like sell pots, but that's also somehow an attribute that is attributed to a wolf, that he could sell pots, something related to pots and wolf. It's not just, he can't do anything else but sell pots. No. So we're going to have to explain this. Dalit. So we'll understand this by first understanding a diuk. We're going to look into the words of Rabbi Shimon Lazar. Because he says, um, he says, a, a, a convoluted, what seems to be a convoluted language. Let's go back. What, what, what was the language that he said? He said, um, I'm going to read the language again so you'll hear how it's seems to be lengthy uh, for no reason. Again, seems. Of course, of course everything in the tale is a reason. Everybody's going to explain the reason. Just like this. Um, here's the Gemara. Tanya of Shemalaza says, I never saw a deer or a lion or a fox doing their, doing a career. 
Yeah, each one of their thing. And they have parnasa without pain. And they weren't created but to serve me. And I was created to serve Hashem. So we've laid out the, the reasoning. He could now say, so should I have to worry? But no, now he says, just like these are only created to serve me, and they get parnasa without anxiety, without pain, I was created to serve Hashem. For sure, shouldn't I get parnasa without sar? It looks like it's repeated twice. Why is it, why is it repeated twice? So the explanation is the Rebbe says like this. The purpose of all the created beings in the world is for Eden, it's for Jews. That's the purpose, that's the intention of all the created beings in the world. I, I th I'm going to try and give a, a modern day example. I hope, it's, oh, I hope it helps understand. Let me first give the example and then I'm going to read it in the Ramah. You know, there's a, something called Hollywood today. Uh, we all know it's, it's, it causes a lot of people uh, a lot of trouble, a lot of waste of time, but whatever. But the, what's the makeup of a film? The makeup of a film is that there's a lead actor. The story surrounds that person. The narrative is going around those people or that, that person, whoever it is we're following. And then there are scenes. There's a lot of stuff. You can't write the story without having... Let's say now we have you know these uh, uh, Jewish-made movies. So there's a shul scene. And we're really looking at that little kid, maybe who's coming in and, and, and saying kukariku, kakadoodle-doo, like the story of the Bakshamtev. And, and maybe there's a lead actor who's the kid and a lead actor who's the Bakshamtev. But then there's another 30 people in the shul all wearing kittles, all wearing taluses, right? In the context of making a movie, they're called extras. They're just... You know, they're creating the, the ambience, they're creating the scene. But in the world, says the Rambam like this. The Rambam says in his Akdam Tepirisha Mishnais, all the creations that are under the sun, or they're under the moon, sorry, they're there for the purpose of man. All the animals are there either to sustain them, give them nutrition, things like sheep and, and cattle, they're to give uh, man nutrition. Some of them, besides for nutrition, they have a value because like a donkey, they schlep stuff for humans. A person couldn't take that kind of weight. Horses allow people to get quicker and faster, go, go more distant uh, distances than a human could go with his own feet. Similar to all other kinds of animal, uh, vegetation life and so on. Similarly, continues the Rebbe, this is also with human life. In order that the complete person and the source from the Ramam, Adam Asholim, the Ramam calls him, the complete person, the person who, so to speak, is the lead story, or Hashem is looking at to see, I gave you instructions, how are you doing them? In order he should be able to be involved in Chochmah, the kiss and godly wisdom, and in doing good deeds, there needs to be a whole set, there needs to be a whole scenario, a whole world, and now we say, okay, you're in the world, here's the scenario, let's see what you do. Camera's on you. Um, as the Ramam explains at great length, in other words, can you imagine, for example, you have the Pentagon. We have the big minds sitting there doing the counterintelligence. Uh, you have the, the people that are, keeping the, that are keeping the place clean, that are keeping the lights on, that are dusting, sweeping, bringing coffee to the big, to the big scientists, right? So the important one is the, is the guy at the top. So everything, says the Rebbe, does haste. This means to say that the purpose 
and function of all kinds of creations. Also, those that are b'nei noyach is all for what? Is all in order to give a yid his what he needs, and therefore he's going to be able to do Torah mitzvahs. The Rebbe points in our order that the Shavam Yeshleima in Kuntesichas Chelikhe. The Rebbe says it could be. No, the Rebbe says that the reason for Shavam mitzvahs b'nei noyach is in order for there to be a world, there needs to be all kinds of creations, and there needs to be also human life, and the Yid has to be part of a human society, and in that human society, do Torah mitzvahs, comes the Shavah Mitzvah and says that the kind of world that Hashem wants the Yid to be in needs to be a world that's a that's a, that's a settled world. And so, all the other actors in the set need to act the way Hashem wants the set to look. And then the lead actor, the Yid, has to take all that and do the right thing. Ah, so Reb Shimim Eloza is mechadish like this. And this is why the long, the long language. All those things have, you know, I never saw any of those things have, do anything but have their, have their careers. And they were not created for any other reason but to serve me. To serve me not to serve me so I can be a, a lazy couch potato. To serve me in the way for the purpose of me serving Hashem. In other words, the fact that the tzvi, the ari, the shul, the deer, the lion and the fox are created with the ability to be fig dryers, um, porters, shopkeepers, or any of the other things that animals are able to do, the Rebbe is going to identify those three things are critical examples of what is needed for a Yid to be able to do his special touch of Torah Mitzvahs. It's not just to serve me, to give me an easy life, and that's it. No, it's to serve me and be part of my service, which is to serve Hashem through, 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 through doing Torah Mitzvahs. In other words, they're, they're, they're tailor-made to fit into... The, the exact tailor-made job that the Yid has. It's all, it's not, how shall I say, it's not like uh, there's a Yid who has his tafkid and then uh, I'm looking to hire all kinds of, no. The Ebishter then designs, it's all, it's all designer. <laughs> I'll give you a, just, maybe this example will, will help me understand. So you, you buy a suit, then you buy a tie. <laughs> but you imagine the guy, the tie is really what strikes you, right? I'm making the suit to fit the tie. I made the whole suit to fit the tie. Not I'm just trying to bring two separate things together. The, this is the lengthy term. They weren't created but to serve me and, and I'm created to serve Hashem. In other words, they were not created but to serve me in the way that I'm meant to serve Hashem. Oh, so we can look at their attributes, what they have, and see that this is actually things that are needed. These are, these are the tracks leading to the crown, to the crown, of the Yid serving Hashem. Because in how is that, says the Rebbe? Because in order, a Yid should be able to do what he needs to do, to change an object of the world and make it an object of mitzvah and kedusha through fulfillment of mitzvahs. First, you need these three things, yes, the fig drying and the portering and the shopkeeping. They prepare the, the objects of the world to be able to be elevated through the mitzvah. Aye, one second. Bepoil, we said, have you ever seen, the, the Braitha and the Mishnah said, have you ever seen these animals doing their career? 
In actuality, they don't do it. I never saw these animals doing anything. Why? Because like Shemim Laza says, because I didn't do what I was meant to do. I, I, didn't, I did bad deeds. And that's why my panasa is with anxiety. I've short, short-changed my panasa. And more than that, I have to work. Shemim Yechai said, when you didn't do his panchi soul, when you didn't do what they're supposed to do fully, other people do their work. When you don't fully, like 100 million percent, do what Hashem wants, they have to go to work. Similarly, and how much more so, by the fact that we're not perfect, but we've, we've done sins and so on, we're you know, in that situation. So the preparation for us to do the mitzvah isn't done through others. It's not done through a uh, deer, a ari, a lion, or a shul. Now, how could they really do things mindfully to help us do the mitzvahs? So I have a quote in R33. We have a Maimer Chazal that the snake was actually a, a, a conscious, mindful kind of creature before the sin. He was demoted after that. But the Rebbe seems to say, no, that we would be referring to that. But here the Rebbe says in, 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 square, in brackets, Maybe this could be learned allegorically that we're comparing the the chayis the, the over here to the nations of the world. And in other words, they, with their natural participation in the world, not as a mitzvah, but they would have been doing the things that lead up to having the item ready, the Yid just has to do the mitzvah with it. As the Rebbe is going to explain, there's a lot of build-up, there's a lot of prep work till you do the mitzvah. It's not just putting the cherry on the top. A lot of stuff. May I give you, uh, again, I, I, I beg your uh, indulgence and forgiveness if I'm giving examples that just help me understand that they're love dafka, they're not necessarily so, so amazingly fitting. You know. A chef, a real, real chef, high-powered, comes to put the finishing touches, maybe seasons, maybe not even seasons. But everything else, the peeling, <laughs> when you're not at the level, when, when, you, when you've not earned the right to have all these sous chef and assistant chef and people peeling and, and chopping, uh, you know what has to happen? You actually have to peel, you actually have to chop, and, right? So here, but that's not, that's not where you need the chef. The chefs, so the yid is needed for that final touch, as we're going to see, that final touch of doing the mitzvah, all the prep work. Could be, we could have been zaycha that others will do it. Imagine if, if uh, each one has an assistant uh, or assistants or you know, really effective people that are doing it all for them. Till the final stage, which is the mitzvah. That can't be done. It has to be done by yid. Hey, the teichen, the content of these three kinds of things. So what are these three things that really prepare, lead up to a mitzvah? Is uh, we're going to understand, through understanding the simple meaning. What does it mean to drive figs? So he says, first of all, the tzvi, the deer, is drying figs. What, what does that mean? It means you've got to bring the figs to the field. You've got to bring them to an open place, not where they're in the shade of, this, of, of, of the tree. Bring them to an open place, spread them out, and guard them that they should stay there till they get dried out from the sun. That's when they reach their zenith. That's when they reach their specialty. Ah, dried. Remember to eat dried figs? Ah, gishmak. Ari sabal. Then you have the porter. He schleps. He needs to bring 
those things that have been prepared somewhat, bring it to its uh, to the place where it can be used, where the person needs it. What is the fox? We're going to soon explain this in more depth. What is the, the fox who's a shopkeeper? What does a shopkeeper mean? That's not about... Um, that's about changing ownership. But these dried figs should now not be owned by the producer or by the, by the guy who was, who was, who was uh, making it, but by the person who's buying it. In other words, what we're doing here, what the fox is doing as a shopkeeper is, and what the, what the, um, what the, the drying dater and, and, and the porter is doing, they're doing three things. They're changing the reality, preparing the actual object, which is what creating dried figs is. Got it. You know, bring it to a place where it's out there in the sun. They're changing the venue, because the, the porter schleps it from one place to another. And they're changing the ownership. That's what the shopkeeper does. What does this mean in Ruchnius, preparing for Tehidu Mitzvahs? We talk about drying figs. So bringing something and preparing it for a mitzvah. There's a lot of times where a yid cannot do the mitzvah without certain preparations. For example, sometimes he needs to have knowledge for the background. There's mitzvahs that need, you need to be able to speak to a doctor. If it's got to do with danger of life, should you break your fast, not break your fast? You've got to have medical, medical information. The thing that this person is suffering from, is it, does it require that they eat and drink and, and, and so on? Is it pikuach nefesh? You need, you, need, you need some preparation to be able to fulfill that mitzvah. You need the preparation of knowledge of, 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 of medicine, which doesn't have to be, it's not, it's not per se a Yiddish thing. You can go to a non-Jewish doctor and ask him that. Or like Rav said, I, I spent 18 months by a shepherd of, of animals to know what kind of a blemish is considered a permanent blemish in an animal, what kind of is, is considered transitory, because that's going to make a difference about Bechayr. If a firstborn has a, a permanent blemish, it doesn't have its holiness. If it doesn't, then, and so on, various other things. So the 18 months by a shepherd didn't have to be by, it wasn't part of Talmud Chacham shepherd, by a regular shepherd. So there's a prep until you get the mitzvah part was when he had to paskin, he had to decide about a certain movement, a behemah. Does it, does, it, does it take it out of, does it render it unfit from being a carbon or not? Is it transitory or permanent? Now that prep time became a mitzvah. But first you need, and then number two, you have to prepare the thing also. This is talking about state of mind, bringing a person to, to being able to do the mitzvah. Now also physically to prepare the mitzvah, you, you need, you need uh, parchment to write the tefillin. The whole Torah is compared to tefillin. So we took the central mitzvah, you know what you need first? You need to first take the skin off the animal. You have to take the flesh, separate the flesh from the skin, from the hide. And then you got to tan the hide. You need somebody who can, who can do that. You need somebody who can flay the animal. Then you need somebody who can tan the hide, and so on and so forth. Later in the order, the Rebbe says, there are some stages maybe that require yid, but there's definitely, if, 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 if skinning the animal definitely doesn't need yid. Right? So that's all just prep to make the physical object Possible to start doing a mitzvah. Similarly, when we talk about the uh, about the, the animal, the, the 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 deer who's a fig dryer, in order that the fig should not be in a hidden dark place, be in a place where it's open and light. So that's like the equivalent of in order to have a clear knowledge, you need to prepare the mitzvah by having the background knowledge, either of medicine or of animal behavior, or so on. Um. So we have all those, uh, we, have, we have this aspect of preparing the actual scenario, preparing the actual thing for the mitzvah. That's like the equivalent of a drying figs, which we said is the nature that could be attributed to the deer. 
Now we have the porter. Porter changes the place. He changes that the that the that the object should go to a place where the yid is. Yes, yeah, should be able to do the mitzvah. Especially, let's say sometimes there's a there's a permissible thing, a yid is it, which is in a place where yid can't go. He can't do the mitzvah. For example, if it's in a place that's called a shukshel avedizara, a, a place of avedizara, a, a, a bustling marketplace of idolatry, and there's a pair of tzitzis, he's not allowed to go in there. Or it's a sukshel zaynis, a place of ill repute, of, of, where he could, God forbid, be pulled into improper behavior. So he's going to need a, 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 a the preparation of the mitzvah. Meaning he's going to need it transported out of there, the porter. He's going to need something that has the power to take it out and bring it in a place where he's able, where it's now accessible for him to get there to do the mitzvah and to make it into a davar shabikdusha. Then you have the transferal of ownership, like a like a like a shopkeeper, like a fox. Could be that sometimes in order the yid should be able to do the mitzvah, it's going to have to be transformed ownership. For example. We know that uh, the Yidden had an, uh, uh, an obligation not to do war with Amon and Moyav because they were uh, the children of light. So what happened? Hashem made Sichain, the king of Oyed, conquer Amon and Moyav. Now it's no longer theirs. Now it belongs to Sichain. Now the Yid can go and the Yidden, when they saw, were able to go and conquer it. So something like that where it needs to move ownership in order to be able to do the mitzvah. The Rebbe says here in our for example, maybe you could say similar to this with animals, Imagine that, a, that, a, that an animal ate something not kosher. In other words, I mean, they eat, they eat um, vegetation. So imagine he ate fruits of the first three years, which are forbidden to have any benefit from, and so on. So the, the cow ate that, and then they shechted the cow. And you eat this cow in your cholent. You have oinek shabbos from what the, uh, what the animal ate or the deer ate. But there's something in it that became part of its flesh that transformed ownership from a forbidden thing to a permissible thing. Similarly, says the Rebbe, what about if a yid, if a yid, either because he had pikuach nevesh, had to eat something not kosher. And then he did, then it get trans, and then he did some kedusha with it, so it gets, in it, he had to eat it, he had to save his life, it was a mitzvah to eat it. It gets transformed in him from isur to, per, to permissibility. Or, anybody that does chas v'shalom sin, and he did teshuva, so then the teshuva, if he did teshuva me'ava, the high level teshuva, then the, the sin becomes part of the trajectory for the connection to Hashem, so it actually gets transformed. So we see that there's a concept in mitzvahs of, in order to do a mitzvah, sometimes you have to transform the ownership. So the first concept, good, Vov. The first concept, talking about a, a tzvi, a deer who's drying figs, that his... Um, His umnus, his um, specialty is connected with uncovering and protecting the thing, in this case the figs. It's not enough if we say, um, Rashi says, one pshat of, of, of um, kayats is miyabish, he's just drying the tzias. Just drying it in the field. That's why there's a second... Um, um, in other words, now the Rebbe explained it according to the one that says that he actually brings, um, um, he actually brings and organizes to dry the, um, to dry the, whatchamacallits, um, to dry the figs. However, Rashi says very clearly that it's just miyabish kitsiyos. 
I think what Rabbi saying is, according to Rashi, he's just drying it. So, what change is happening here? Let's see. In mitzvahs, where do we need, where do we need something that actually changes the thing? Before we said he's taking it from the tree and he's bringing bringing it to the place to dry it. Now we're saying it's already in that place and he's just, it's just being changed by the sun. So where do we see that in mitzvahs? That's why the Rebbe says there's a second Indian when we talk about Svikayats, about a deer that oversees the drying of the figs, and similarly the porter, who's the lion porter. These are also general things in mitzvahs, for example. A yid, in order yid to be able to do a mitzvah with a gashmizdika thing, like tfilm or lulav, so they have to first of all be separated from their connection to the tree. It's a difference in the actual object of the Esrug and Lula. Before that, they were connected. Now they're not connected. You can't make, take an Esrug on a tree, make a bracha. Well, the difference essentially is now, till, then, till now they had a growing ability. Now, they're not. They were, they were sucking from the tree. Now they're not. Just like drying figs. The Esrug now no longer has the nurturing, the, 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 the liquid coming from the tree. And after that, you need to have the porter to change its place. Similarly, you have these two details by wool for tzitzis. Cutting off the wool, which that's like uh, drying, the, drying the, 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 the figs. And then you need to bring it to the id, that's like the porter. Also, a horn that you need to make a shafer, schach. You need to change the item to be available, cut it off or whatever it is, and then you need to bring it. More than that, when we talk about... Uh, um, Hide for tefillin, first you have to cut it off the behemoth, then you have to tan it. This is a huge change in the actual physical uh, tan. And then you have to bring it to the place of yid. So remember, we're talking here about things that could be done by a chayas, could be done by others. So the Rebbe here in the order says, this is according to the opinion that you don't need to tan the hide, lishma. Uh, or whatever case, it could be, the Rebbe says, it, it, as far as flaying the, the animal, for sure, skinning, you definitely don't need a yid. So that's definitely not part of the mitzvah. So according to this, both pratim, um, the, the, the drying of the de- figs and the porter aspect, they are imperative and they are required in many, many mitzvahs. And that's why in the Bible, in Rishalmi, we're going to see there's a difference. He points out the differences because this is going to point out a different perspective they have on performance of mitzvahs. However, we talk about the fox who's a shopkeeper, the changing of ownership before it even comes to the ownership of a yid, you have to make sure it's possible to bring it into a place where it can, that's an Indian that's only by some mitzvahs. That's not, that's not always. So therefore there, that holidays, that all things, that stays at the end. Zayin. According to this, now we're going to understand why Yankev calls the Shvatim by the name of the animals. Here, here's what the Rebbe is saying. I'm going to try and understand this. The same way the purpose, the tafkid, the purpose of the animals is generally speaking to prepare the things of the world for doing Torah mitzvahs of Yidin. And as we said, that's why we look at them as having three functions of drying and schlepping and transferring ownership. Similarly, that's the avodah that Yaakov and the Shvatim needed to do at this stage Prepare for Matan Taylor. In other words, when we say that, um, what the, the Mishnah is pointing out is that all the animals are created to serve me. They're created with 
and we can see certain character, we can see certain tracts, certain molds that they're created in, which fit the, the molds that we need, the actions we need to serve Hashem in our mitzvahs. The whole, their whole purpose is to lead up to us for fulfilling the mitzvahs. So in other words, when we talk about chayas, remember chayas, animals, generally we're talking about them as being accessories or functionaries, um, facilitators to the yid to be able to do the, the main aveda of Torah mitzvahs. The yidin at this stage are being called chayas because they're at this stage the facilitators that there can be the giving of the Torah and the world can be changed in the way that Hashem wants the world to be changed after Matan Torah. What do we mean? Continues that from the time and from the reasons why Yidin had to be in the Golos Mitzrayim before Matan Torah is explained in many places. Because before that the world wasn't, the Yidin and Mimele, the world were not ready and, 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 and fit that the world should be able to, the physical objects of the world should be able to be transformed into mitzvah and holiness. Mitzrayim was that melting pot, Kura Basel, that hot smelting pot, which created through the pressure, through the heat, created that refinement and, and, and preparation in the Yidden and also in the world to prepare the world to be able to be absorbent of the Kedusha that the Yidden are going to bring by doing Tere Mitzvah in it. So the Golos Mitzrayim, where did it start? Golos Mitzrayim is a preparatory stage to doing Tere Mitzvah. The animals are all about the whole rest of creation, which is identified here by animals, all about preparing the man to be able, preparing the yid to be able to do Torah mitzvahs. Gol's Mitzrayim started at this place where Yaakov is blessing them. It started with the Shvatim go down to Mitzrayim, together with Yaakov. Yeah, it started them, but the main Masu Yishu Mitzrayim, the main burden of Mitzrayim, which is the main pressure of Egypt, and that's when the real action has started to happen in terms of preparing the world to be able to absorb the Kedusha by Yidin doing Torah mitzvahs, starts after Yaakov dies and after Yosef dies. When Kol Echa B'chol Aderahu were still alive. It starts after everybody, after that, that generation, Yesav and his brothers are no longer there. Yeah? Then starts the main thing. So that's why Yankov's calling them animals, because they're going to now be engaged in like animals. That the whole purpose is to prepare for the Tehidimitzvahs. They're going to be engaged in that. So it comes out that these, these, these character traits of the deer, of the lion, of the fox, to prepare things in the world to Matan Tehidah, it started by the Shvatim when they were in Mitzrayim. That's why we're calling them. Because by, if I understood correctly, by calling them animals, we're identifying that they weren't yet doing the mitzvahs. But just like animals, their function in the world is to lead up and, and create a world to be able to be able to tell the mitzvahs. Similarly here, they were preparing for that, Matan Teirah. And, says the Rebbe, because they're all, the chayas are to prepare us, that's why there's character traits where we can see they're, they're, they've been created in the, in the shnit, in that same style which we're going to need to do tell mitzvahs, those different uh, kinds of jobs that, that we spoke about. Ches, we spoke already many times. Now we're going to explain the differences in Babi Yerushalayim. It's already been spoken about many times, says the Rebbe, that uh, we can explain a lot of the differences between Bavli and Rishalmi in the following way. Bavli is, looks at things, we look at the way the situation is right now, rather than looking at what the potential is going to be in the future. The way it is right now, that's what we pay attention to, and that's going to color our decision, even against the future. 
even though by taking the position now, by doing it now, we may lose some of the wholesome, some of the more upgraded value we could have gotten later, we're going to go by now. Yushalmi says, you've got to look at the way the potential has in the future, and maybe we've got to wait for the future and not do it right now. For example, there's a well-known discussion when you talk about zrizim akdim mitzvahs, you've got to do a mitzvah as early as you can. On the other hand, there's, there, there's a, also an aspect of mitzvahs where it's a choice mitzvah if you have more people. So what happens if, if doing it early is going to be less people? So the Yishalmi will say, Babli will say, do it right away, even though later you'll have more people. Yishalmi would say, no, wait, you'll have more, more glory for Hashem, even though you're going to lose the virtue of now that you're going to be able to do it early. Or for example, somebody's early in the morning on a sukkah's day, he has four minim, but they're not the best. He knows he's going to wait a few hours. He can get a better pair, better set of the four minim with the little Nesrik and so on. So it's better to do it right now or push it off. He can do it better later, but he's going to lose the zrizim, the fact that he's going to do it early. Test. So the same way it is with every mitzvah in itself, similarly, when we talk about preparing for the mitzvah, we can also have this discussion. The preparation we talked about was the drying figs and the porter. When we talk about figs, so there's something which we know from the Mishnah, they, they don't get picked at one to one. It's not that they all get ripened at the same time. They have different days. This one's ripe, this, this batch, this tree, and this thing. It, it's bits and pieces. So now, when you have one fig that's finished, you have two options. Either you should just take it right away, dry it out, let the, let the, let the fig dryer get to work, or wait, get a whole bunch, and now take the porter and bring it to dry the field. You understand? So the question is, are we, do we need the porter at the first stage before we dry, or don't we? Well, if I say, let me wait for a whole bunch, I'm going to need a porter. If I say, let me just, as, uh, uh, you know, as, as they get ripe, I just take them to the field to dry, then it's one by one, couple by couple. I, I, don't, need, I don't need a porter yet. Similarly, this is a question about preparing for a mitzvah. Should we do right away the first thing I can do? Like bringing the date right away. The first thing I can do to prepare the mitzvah. If I have a little piece of, 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 of leather, should I right away work on it? Even if it's not a big, nice piece of leather? Or should I wait till I have a good, better element of leather and then do it? Right? Because also, um, and then I'll need a porter. In other words, then there'll be more effort, so to speak. So then the dryer will come after the porter. Because also preparing for the mitzvah, even before you actually did it, we, we want the preparation to also be done, that it brings the best result. There's already, we said, there's a Pasuk that says about the Pasuk in Navi, would you bring a, 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 a misfigured animal to your ruler? So even when, whatever you're doing in the mitzvah, you've got to do it nicely. The Pasuk says, all fats to Hashem. What you do for Hashem should be the best. So you're making, you're preparing, even though right now the leather is not a mitzvah, but it's going to lead to a mitzvah. So even right now it should be done in the best way. So maybe you wait till you get a nicer one. So, we could say that this is the difference between Babli and Yishami. According to the Babli, since you look at the now, so right away, go do it. Even by the beginning of the mitzvah. So right away, we're talking about drying the fig because you have one or two, three, whatever, you go dry it right away. Even though you only have a little amount. Shami says, ah, you're soon going to have a whole big amount. Wait, we'll bring the whole big amount. He says that we look at the future, and that is the one that, that, um, that, that makes us decide what to do. 
Don't look at the at, at the alacrity of doing it right now. So it's also in preparing for mitzvah. Also, he looks at it that way. Wait till you can do it better. So first, you, you're going to need a porter. First, the porter, then the dryer. Yud. According to this, we can understand why does Yerushalmi add something about the wolf selling pots? Why is a wolf connected to selling pots? You'll understand because a wolf. What's the difference between a, a lion and a wolf? The Gemara says a lion is dayris for Right away, eats on the spot. Miyat. He, 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 he kills and eats right away. Za'ev, Toyref, he grabs it and, and eats it. Now he takes it back to his lair, to his hole, and eats it there. And then all of them have a no, all the people back at home, back in his hole, have a no from it, have benefit from it. And this we understand that an Ari doesn't need a pot, he's eating on the spot. Eating it, he's, he's right away eating it raw. You got he doesn't have time to schlep it and cook it. We talk about a, a wolf, he's eating later, so allegorically, he's taking it back to his hole. That's similar to a human waiting till he cooks it, you know. Not, not he's grabbing it now, but he's waiting to eat it till he can make it in the future be more palatable, be more delicious. What does this mean in the inside track? When you talk about preparing for mitzvahs, once you have everything prepared and set up for the mitzvah, then comes the za'ev. He says, one second. I want to, I want to wait the mitzvah. Should even be better. It should be like the equivalent of being cooked in a, food being cooked in a pot. So we understand that Bavli and Rishalmi are, are, are of differing opinions about this. The Bavli says, forget pots. You need right away do the mitzvah. That's more important than having a nicer mitzvah because you're going to have a bigger crowd later or whatever. So that's why the Bavli says, he doesn't bring in this whole wolf eating pots. There's, there's no context here that the mitzvah should wait as if somebody waiting till he cooks something so it should be better. Do it right now. The Rishami does bring it. Because the Rishami is of the opinion that if it's going to be better in the future, forego of the mile that you have now and wait for the future. Do it nicer, do it better, do it more completely, more holy which is analogous to the wolf waiting for the pots. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You, 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 you're going to love this. If you have time to delve into these ha'odas. Um, first of all, in the 60, the Rebbe says, the Yerushalmi, you see the focus of Yerushalmi on the beauty of taking time to prepare for the mitzvah, how important the preparation is. Not just actual doing, but the preparation, the lead up to it, equivalent to a pot. Yerushalmi says you make a bracha on making the sukkah. Not just, we make a bracha on the sukkah. When we eat in the sukkah, and we have in mind, it's also going to make the sukkah, on the sukkah itself. Yerushalmi says when you start making the sukkah, you make a bracha on making the sukkah. And as you see here, the focus of Yerushalmi on, it can take longer, but even the hachshar, even the preparation to make a more wholesome thing, I think that's what they're saying. Article 61, the Rebbe says, why does the, the, the Shami talk about the Zaev who sells kedavis, and why does, who sells pots, why does he talk about making pots? Never says an interesting thing. Making pots could be the Gemara elsewhere considers it that that's what robbers do. You know why? Because they take whose who's earth? If they're making earthenware pots, whose earth are they taking? <laughs> they're not asking for permission. Uh, and then there's stars within the Horus. Never says. Uh, so that's why it doesn't say. That's why it says selling pots, not making pots, because making pots could be. In, in, in intimating that he's, that he's uh, sinful. And we're not talking about sinful, sinfulness. 
I says the Gemara says that a shul, a fox is a shopkeeper, but it says elsewhere in the Mishnah that it, being a shopkeeper is what is is a thievery kind of occupation, because you can steal, you cannot give the person the right measures. The Rebbe says, no, that's only. That, that, that it's so easy, he says, to be an honest shopkeeper. You don't have to be. Uh, you don't have to be a thievery shopkeeper. But making pots, because he doesn't have field and he needs earth, and he's always relying on taking earth. So there's a concept that that standard in that industry is that they're taking earth that doesn't belong to them. So that's why the shopkeeper speaks about selling pots. Selling pots, you bought it, you sold it, and it brings out the same point without having to go into that dubious aspect of making pots. I I, I just skimmed the surface, but just. If you're looking in the in the actual text of the Sikha, you see there's a whole most of this page, 456, is is, is hardest. Ah. If only we had the ability, the time, and and, and the, the depth that I was sharing with us here. Each one is a whole lesson in life. Anyway, <laughs> the chiluk, this distinction between the Bavi and Rishami, that waiting for now, doing it right now, because now's the time, even though it's going to be better later. Bavli, waiting for the future, even though you're going to lose the, 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 the advantage of doing it now, Yerushalmi. You see it almost, says the Rebbe, openly in a Mishnah. There's a Mishnah that says, if Yom Kippur falls, Mishnah Menachas, if Yom Kippur falls on Erev Shabbos, Yom Kippur falls on Friday. So you bring the goat of Yom Kippur on Yom Kippur on Friday, and you eat that meat on evening, the night of Shabbos. You can't eat it. When can you eat that carbon? If it's a carbon that's you can't eat on Yom Kippur. First time you can eat it is the night. But you can't cook it on Shabbos. So how are you going to eat it? So the Bavliim, the Kayanim that originate in Chutzlarz, they eat it raw. Even though that's not the real way you're supposed to eat meat of Kodshim, meat of the Besamikdash is said to be Lamash Chalik You're supposed to eat it the way notables, the way high-class people eat meat. That's cooked. Um, but the Mishnah says the Bavliim they eat it now why? because they don't want to lose the mitzvah there's a mitzvah a positive mitzvah if it's left over you got to burn it they don't want to violate that positive mitzvah of leaving it over the Kohen invites Saul they want to do it properly so it lands up that, um, that they don't eat it now I mean you're saying if they don't eat it did they violate something else it never points out um it points out in R69, they come out of Chiddush. They can't eat it after Shabbos because past the time you're allowed to eat that meat. If they're not eating it raw, you're not, you can't cook it on Shabbos, it means they're not eating it. So they're not doing the mitzvah at all. However, he says this mitzvah, that the, the mitzvah here is a mitzvah say that, uh, uh, or maybe it's a mitzvah, don't leave it over. That's not a personal mitzvah on each and every person. So in that case, they're not, there's no individual that's violating it. And because so you see a difference. Bavli Yishami, the Bavli says, I gotta grab what's available now, even though it's not the best way to eat it, do it. Shami says, No, I need to eat it in the best way. Even though in this case, a big chiddush, this case they're actually not gonna be doing this particular mitzvah. Yud, Aleph. According to this, now we can understand the initial question, the difference between Targum Unkles and Targum Yanus Munazil about how to translate Binyamin Zaevito, Binyamin is a wolf who grabs, who devours, or who grabs. The difference between the two targum is like this. Targum Onkelis is Babel, Babylon. Targum Yerus and Azir is the Targum of Ertzisol. It's often referred to as Targum Yerushalmi. They go in there each their own shita, as we've explained. 
We talk about Yom Zev Yitrov. Is the wolf? Is it? Um, is it important to have the wolf-like attribute when you're talking about preparing for a mitzvah? You is it better to look long term and take it back to the like having a pot and preparing it and cooking it? Was it better? Well, that's not important with the mitzvah. Better to be like a, like a lion that just eats on the spot. The preparation for a, for a mitzvah is a preparation for the continuation of the positive, which says in the morning he eats, is, uh, and in the evening he, he, he divides his spoils. In other words, it's talking about the karbonis, the eating of the karbonis. And he says, that's why he says, in his place, in his inheritance, will be the base mukdashah, because the base amikdash is a required requisite for the karbonis. The best way to do the Beis Hamikdash. What's the function? The Beis Hamikdash, the Ramam says, Bayis Lashem, is my giving Korbanis, a place to be prepared for Korbanis. And just as we said before, the Ze'ev, the wolf, by taking pots, by being compared to pots, by taking it back to his uh, hole and only eating it there, waiting for the more wholesome fulfillment of eating it so everybody can benefit from it, that shows on preparing, the, doing the mitzvah with a full, wholesome preparation. So, he wants to talk about the Kabbalah being brought in the ultimate way you bring Kabbalah when there's a Beis HaMikdash. Because really, Beis HaMikdash, Kabbalah don't require Beis HaMikdash. The Allah is, you can bring it on a Mizbech even if there's no Beis HaMikdash. But when there's a Mizbech without a Beis HaMikdash, the best way to have a Mizbech is when it's part of Beis HaMikdash. So the Rishalmi, the Tagim Yenis of Nazil, the Rishalmi says, we're talking about Binyamin, and we're talking about him eating the Kabbalah in a Beis HaMikdash, not just the Mizbech without a Beis HaMikdash. Tagamunkula says, one second, let's get what we can get right now. The Za'ev, it's not important. The Za'ev aspect, that he schleps it back and does it wholesomely, that's not important when preparing for the mitzvah. So he says, Za'ev speaks about the main thing of bringing the karbanas is that you can offer up the uh, you can offer up the blood. And his inheritance will be Mikdasha, which means a place that you put the blood. What you can do right now. The main kapara is blood. So basically, what comes out comes out a difference like this. It says the Rebbe, If we had that scenario where there would be a possibility to build a mizbeach, right, to be able to offer kabbonis, but not the whole base of English. So according to the Bavli, could be we should build a mizbeach and just bring the kabbonis because that we can do right away. Yeah, the best way to do it is to have a mizbeach as part of the base of English. We can. Yushalmi will say no. You gotta be like the Zay, you gotta, you gotta wait, do it properly. Until you build a base on English. Because you need the Hakrovas Akabonis on his Bayah should be more Bishlam, it's more proper. As we said in Sifu, Dafka Bavlim, who eats it when it's still raw, that that Yom Kippur, the night after Yom Kippur is Bavlim, people from Bavl, but the Yushaman, they, they wait. It's not it's not a proper conduct. And anyway, this actually was a uh, this actually was a possibility in certain times in history, like the Rebbe points in the Horus, that they could have built the Mizbech without the Beis Hamidosh. It didn't happen. Because the Rebbe is posing this, uh, this difference in Bavli and Yerushalmi. May Hashem bring us the Beis Hamidosh right away, in a proper way, with the Mizbech, in a full Beis Hamidosh. Thank you.